0: Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's word, and I pray that his Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that he gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Let's talk this morning about the miracle of peace. We've been in a series about miracles, and we're talking about the miracles and the miraculous that Jesus is. Part of the Christian faith is to know, and, and not just know, but to believe in the miraculous, the supernatural. And one of the most fundamental understandings we have of the miraculous is the internal work that Jesus has done in us and what he gives us, what he brings us when his life transforms our life, when there's that great exchange between who we were and who we become once we enter into a relationship with him. In Isaiah chapter 9, going back to the Old Testament here, we see the prophecy that says, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will, be, will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and in this name, prince of peace. So the prophecy of the Messiah to come, of Jesus who was to come, was that he would be the captain of peace. He would be the prince of peace, the ruler, the one who rules and reigns in and through this thing that we call peace. Fast forwarding to the New Testament in John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. But not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus was telling them that, that in him and through him, peace had come. Peace was now present, okay? Now, when we think of peace, uh, for the most part, we, we tend to think of the absence of conflict, right? Right. A rivalry in sports, right? We, we understand that there's conflict, uh, a rivalry between siblings, between friends, between family members, between uh, you and a coworker—you name it. Something's going on when there's tension. We understand that when there's conflict, right? There's no peace, and, and we know that peace is something that that is is absent, something that's missing, and we're hoping that it can come to that place of peace, at that place of resolve. Okay? Uh, we tend to associate peace also with the absence of difficulty. As long as things are not hard then things are peaceful. <laughs> right? When the kids are down for bed, or the dog isn't messing something up, or, or something's not breaking in the house or in the car, and everything's just on cruise control, right? It's peaceful. Okay? Uh, but that's not the peace Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not referring to the, the absence of conflict or uh, the absence of difficulty. Or he's, he's not even referring to the, the trouble in our lives necessarily. He's referring to himself and who he is. See, he is the prince of peace. Uh, you know, when we think of peace as, as listening to the ocean or watching the sunrise um, or sitting on a mountaintop, being out in nature, being in a place of stillness, it is peaceful as a feeling. But Jesus is talking about something deeper here. In these verses I read earlier, he's referring to himself, peace, as a person. And it's something far deeper than we think, feel, or experience. It's found in who and what we truly believe about Jesus. So if we say we believe about Jesus and we believe in him and his peace, and we believe that he came as the Prince of Peace and he came to give us peace, and he came to leave us his peace, then there's something we should be walking in there's something we can take ownership of. There's something, apart from the circumstances that we experience every day, the stuff that we see, everything on the news, everything on Twitter, everything on Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and all the conflict we hear going on at local levels and and national levels and stuff with the economy and stuff that's so uncertain, stuff that seems like it's never gonna end. Corruption here, corruption there. You know, lies, deceit, money trails, craziness, and still Jesus says, you can have peace in and amidst any and all of that, right? He doesn't say, hey, uh, if if there's some craziness going on in the political world, uh, you don't have peace. I can't help you with that one. You're on your own. Good luck, right? No, the world points us to feelings and experiences and circumstances as peace, in fact, that's, that's one of the greatest prayers, I think, that, that people have. Often when they, they talk to people and they ask them, what would be if you could have one wish in the world? That the world would be at peace. But see, the problem is the world without Jesus is not peace. Right? The gospel is peace. Jesus himself is peace, right? C.S. Lewis, great writer, said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. So the world will give us a counterfeit peace, circumstantially, right? Peace, everything's okay, everything's good, right? But that's a false sense of security. It's a false sense of hope. Why? Because when it's peace in things that can be taken away, it's not really peace, right? Just just give a a, a toy to a child and then have one of their siblings take that toy away. <laughs> no peace. Instant chaos, right? The world gives us counterfeit peace when it thinks that circumstances, established, settled, will bring peace. But really, that can change. People can go back on their word. People can change their mind. Life can go not according to plan, right? So here's a question I want to ask this morning. Identify for yourself, what's the pattern you've developed when it comes to finding peace, Right? Life has ups and downs. There's, there's the planned things and then the unplanned things. There's the seasons of blessing and then the seasons where you feel like there's a lot of lack. There's seasons where maybe there just seems to, everything seems to be going your way. Right? You can't miss. And then there's seasons where it feels like everything is a struggle. No matter what you try, it's just struggle. Okay? And in and through all of those seasons, the back and forth, the ping-ponging back and forth, we're often looking for peace to be settled. Right? So what's the pattern you've developed when it comes to finding peace, to finding your relief, okay? Is peace a place that you get to someday? Is that the mindset? When we get there, everything's going to be good. Have you noticed that as you get older, even there has its problems? (laughs) There has its own set of stuff. There has its own set of unknowns and uncertainties. There is not what we think it is. Remember? Oh, I can't wait till I'm 18 years old. Man, when I'm 21, man, I'll be an adult. Can do what I want. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. Man, when we get this house. Man, when I get my own car. Man, when I get this promotion. Man, when I get this new job. Man, when I. So it's always there. Is is peace. A place that we get to. Second, is, is it a process that you must walk through? Like we're going through stuff. I'm going through stuff. I'm not going to be at peace until this stuff is dealt with. Do so this stuff is resolved in me? Do so this situation with them is taken care of? Okay, what if it never is? I, I know family members that have not talked in 30 years. I just talked to a friend last week in, in his 70s friend of mine from Australia, I was chatting with him over Zoom, and he was referring to, um, I could say this, he's referring to his his ex-wife who is at odds with their daughter. She's in her 50s, and they're at odds since she was a teen. And the mom in the 70s is still upset of stuff that she did when she was 14, 15, 16, 17, and, and all that. Well, you say awe, but let's think about it. <laughs> There's somebody in your life that you can draw up right now who ticks you off. <laughs> who did you wrong? So before you shake your little finger, ah, that should Now that was 50 years ago. You got to, come on now. There's somebody who's, who's your trigger. I got mine. He's in here today, but I'm not going to say anything because this is the Lord's house. I'm forgiving you, Cody, but, I, you know, I love Cody with all my heart. Like. So it is, a, is it a process that you have to walk through? You know, when, when I get this, you know, it could be literally that there will be no peace between you and individuals for a long time. And if you are never going to be at peace because of who Jesus is, not because of the circumstances, not because of the stuff that you're going through, you know, you may be like my friend who's, who's trying to talk his ex-wife down off, off the ledge of, uh, to, to just come into reality that that literally was 50 years ago. That was 50 years ago. Yeah, but all the stuff she did, yes, but that was 50 years ago. Let's think about that, right? Uh, and often in those times, we're absolving ourselves of the chaos that we brought into other people's lives. Okay, that got real quiet, so never mind. <laughs> all right, is, is it a position you must find yourself in circumstantially? Okay, when, when, when all this changes, then I'm going to get right with God. Then I'm going to make my peace with God. If this goes through, then I'll be good with God. Right, you ever put God up against the wall like that? It's like you grab him by the collar and put him against the wall. Say, if this doesn't go right then I'm not going to be good with you. But if it does go right, then I'll be good with you. See, circumstantially, I think that we're, we're often waiting for life to turn before peace is something that we embrace, the peace of God, who Jesus truly is when we trust him in and through not just what we feel and not just what we think, but what will come in spite of what we think or feel. Right? God, God all throughout history, biblically, takes messiness and turns it into something that's redemptive. Something that looks like the end and he turns it into something absolutely beautiful. It's, it's beauty from ashes. And so if we don't have that perspective about God, that there's something bigger on the other side of what we're going through, then we miss the opportunity. And here's the dangerous thing. It, it may arrive in a form that we never planned and we may miss the very thing. Because we had an expectation of something else. We thought it should come a different way, another way. It's kind of like your kids coming to God. You don't care how they get there as long as they get there. Did, did they get there? That's all that matters to me, right, at this point. Life is too crazy. You know, you got books on how to be the perfect parent. And then you, 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 you parent your kids and then they go nuts. I've, I've pastored people for years. and we, we did all the right things. We did this, we did that. Okay, yeah, but but the gift of God that's in them and the destiny and the calling that's on them and what you've prayed has not gone to waste. God is still working in and through that. Yeah. And if it's all dependent on you, then that means you're the success. And if it doesn't work, then that means you're the failure. Now, my parents put a lot of good stuff in me and I still went crazy. <laughs> rejected it all. Okay, so, so it's not about if, if I can get, you know, myself into this position where I'm just, I'm doing everything right. See, what we're doing is where the, the gospel is grace, and it's grace poured out to undeserving people. And if we really think, see, we don't think this until something goes wrong in our life, and then we question ourselves, what did I do wrong here? Which means you're saying that it was all on you. Okay? I'm not talking about neglect or, or uh, I- ignoring the principles of God or, or laziness. I'm talking about when we've come to the place where we know things have not gone the way we hoped they would, and we're, we're in this place where we're wrestling with the circumstances, we've got to find peace with God in the trouble, in the turmoil. Okay? Okay. So, is it a place you get to someday? Is it a process you walk through? Maybe you're going through stuff. Is it a position you must find yourself in circumstantially? Or is it a person, Jesus? By a person, I mean Jesus. See, Jesus is the miracle in this world. He was the miracle of our salvation. There was death on the cross. He was the miracle born in a manger. But he was born to die. This is the reality of the Savior that we serve. He was born to die, to come into this earth, to walk amongst us, to be fully God, to be fully human, to be transformed into this likeness that that we exist in, to experience the pain and the sorrow and the suffering and the loss and the disappointment and the hurts and the longings that we all have, to walk in that and then die in that. And the Bible says that from the cross... He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. So he basically took ownership of the cross. On the cross, he endured it, scorning its shame. Think about this. It it is shameful to be hung naked on a cross, crucified innocently for the sins of the world. And it says he scorned that shame. He, He pushed it away, in a sense, but fully embraced it endured it, and it says this, for the joy that was set before him. Who's that joy? It's you and I. What Jesus endured, he endured for you and I. He endured so we could walk in the peace that he's given, okay? The miracle is that because of Jesus, we have peace with God. This is number one. We have peace with God. Peace with God because of his sacrifice, because of his great love, because of his grace on us. Romans 5 says, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Let's read that one more time and let's read it slower. Therefore, since we've been made right. And let's stop there. Because if if peace and your feelings about what you feel about your life are still caught up in between this whole what you feel about your past, and what you feel about your present, and where you think you should be in life, and where you're not, and what you could have done right, and what you should have done. You, you, you're putting yourself on shaky ground, because you've been made right with God through the sacrifice of Jesus, and you obtain that by faith. And, and if you um, seesaw on the feelings of whether or not God loves you based upon how good you are, you're missing how good God was, right? So we've been made right in God's sight. Isn't this what it's all about? That I would stand before God someday and I'm standing before him right in his sight, right? It's not everything I did. It's not what I, what I earned. It's not all the great stuff I collected and how much fun I had. It, it's am I right in the sight of God someday when I stand before him? And obviously we see it is by faith, that we obtain that. And that gives us, what does it say? Peace with God. Now, big question, is this what you're resting in this morning? Peace with God. Is our church filled with people who know that they've been made right in God's sight by faith, and now you have peace with God, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us Look at, look at another translation here. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we're restored to a relationship of peace with God. See, my salvation experience, it came with great peace. It came with incredible peace. Uh, God delivered me out of so much, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I would even say physically, the way I was self-destructing. And, and when I, I remember when I prayed... Um, with this guy who, who who prayed with me. I remember literally as I, as I prayed and asked God to forgive me and asked God to release me from the bitterness and the anger and the sin that I had heaped on for years and that I was carrying around almost like as an excuse for everything, as a badge of honor. I remember as I prayed, it felt like a supernatural... Experience. It felt like weight came off of me. Right? If you ever squatted weight, and the moment you get it off the bar, and you feel that oh, that was heavy, right? It felt like that times ten. It was literally supernatural. It felt like angels came and lifted off darkness, off of my mind, and off of my life. I mean, it was an, it was an instantaneous. Now, I don't, not everybody has that experience, but for me, that was my experience. It was a literal being baptized into this new life and this new light of God, and it was a heaviness and a darkness and a self-destruction that God delivered off of me. It's like he took it off, right? I had peace with God, and then from that moment, peace was felt, and then peace was pursued, and then peace was lived out. Right now, look, life has not been candy land, right? There's been ups and downs. There's been been troubles, you know. I've gotten mad. People have hurt me. There's been disappointments. Yes, okay. But I've never found myself going back to drinking from bitter waters. It's drinking from living water. And it was peace that I was pursuing because I had peace with God now. There's a clarity that comes when we, we surrender our life to Jesus. A deep, a deep clarity. As a lot of times we may not even know that we're walking in it. It's out of obedience that we're experiencing and living and learning the truth of who Jesus is. Right? My parents raised me. They, uh, they were first generation Christians. I guess I'm second. And in doing so, you know, they, they were, I was like a guinea pig. It's like a, I was like a lab rat. It's an experiment. We, we want this kid to kind of turn out <laughs> not like we did. We want better, and we want Jesus, okay? but that's still kind of an experiment. <laughs> but you can trust the experience, the experiment when it's in the hands of Jesus. Amen. And that's what they did. They, they did that, and in doing so, um, my life was changed. So one more time, because of Christ's sacrifice, we're, we're made right in God's sight by faith. So question, are you still trying to earn it? Are you trying to earn a, a restful, peaceful stable place with God based on what you do? This next thing, this next relationship, I'll get this right, right? Are you still trying to work for it? There's a part of you that God wants to establish in peace this morning, and it's not just what you feel. It's not just what you experience. It's not even just what you think about how life should go, It's a peace that knowing God is for you, that God is with you, and he loves you in spite of you. Years ago, I was working with a guy who at the time said, you know, I quit being a Christian. I mean, I wasn't uh, living for the Lord at the time, so he didn't even know I was a Christian. They were just having a, a religious discussion, and he said oh, I know what it was. There was a guy who was working part-time who was co-pastoring a church, and so that's how the, the discussion came up. I like, go, oh, that guy over there that works with us, he's, he's, he's a pastor. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I knew what that was, but I didn't let on, right? Like, oh, what's this whole Jesus thing? I, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? <laughs> and I remember him saying, you know, oh, I don't, I don't do the, the church thing and the God thing. I tried, I tried, but I just don't have the discipline. I can't do it. And what he'd reduced Christianity to and his experience down to was what he can do for God and what he can't do for God. And if you reduce your relationship with God down to that, you will always fail because there is never enough you can do for God. You never could in 20 lifetimes, in 100 lifetimes. You can't do for God what God has already done for you. So because of his sacrifice, we've been made right Jesus we have to embrace that the more that this morning that is the peace that we grab hold of that's the peace that we take ownership of of what God has done think about this when Jesus is speaking to us he says come to me all you who are burdened and weary and I will give you rest he doesn't say go to the Bahamas (laughs) go to Cancun (laughs) all-inclusive food drinks nude beach do whatever you want then you'll have peace. No, he says, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. Come to me. But what does that take? That takes a humbling of ourselves to quit saying, I've got this, to quit saying, I can get there. I can work harder. I can do better. I can do more. You can, but you'll never do enough. You'll never get there. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty there's a shadow uh, of God's wing that we get to stay in and under its covering and it's it's a precious place and it's a place of presence and it's a place where bitterness doesn't fester it's a place where uh, anger doesn't continue to grow it's a place where sorrow is healed It's a place where our hurts and our wounds and our scars can be freely exposed to God. And God can do his work. But without that, we're on our own. We're in the light. Here's the thing. When you're not under the shadow of God, you're in the light of what this world offers. And what this world offers is a false sense of peace. And this is why Jesus says, come to me. Don't go to the world. The peace I leave with you and the peace I give to you, come to me. It's not her. It's not him. It's not that. It's not the next city. It's not the next job. Come to me. So God isn't pointing us to this life of laziness somewhere or or life of escapism or or a life where we're living on a private island just free from the troubles of life. If I just had more money that I could get away from this and that, there's a peace that comes. Paul had it. He writes these letters in the New Testament from jail, from imprisonment, from torture. And he's telling us how to view God. He's encouraging the Corinthian people and the Galatian people. He's encouraging so many out of his own difficulties. Okay? Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You do not need to pay God back for anything. And you need to release yourself from the past and embrace the forgiveness of God. Because you will spend on the hamster wheel for the rest of your life trying to pay him back. He's not trying to promote you into something based on his former demotion in your eyes of what you think you did or should have done. He's not trying to get you somewhere else. He's got you where he wants you. This is where he needs you. Honest before him. And forgiveness will eat, eat you alive. John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled, don't be afraid. The peace of God comes when you have peace with God. The peace of God comes when you have peace with God. And if the peace of God doesn't come when you have peace with God, then you don't have peace, you don't have Jesus yet. Because it's a freedom that you get to walk in, that's different than anything the world can give, okay? Number two, we get peace with others. That's the miracle of Jesus. We get peace with others. How? When there's so much conflict, when there's friendships and, and, and family members and frustration with people with opinions about medical stuff and political stuff and social stuff and you name it, there's all kinds of chaos and and people are living and standing on their opinions and using that to stiff-arm friends and family members. Come on, anybody experienced this this last few years? At a greater level than we ever have before, right? Okay. Romans 12 verse 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. In other words, what's on your plate, what's on your part of this is to be at peace. To do what you can to be at peace with people, right? So here, here's, a good, here's a good question because uh, relationships are complex, amen? <laughs> uh, you're complex, by the way, in case you forgot that. <laughs> Before you went, yeah, they show our complex. No, you are too. You're very complex. You're why, you're what, you're how. You just think you're smooth as butter, but you're not, Okay, Uh, you're not, and each one of us has our own uniqueness and our own proclivities and our own nuances and all the stuff that makes us us. It's what makes us individuals. The problem is, you know, when you put two people in the same room, they're different. And differences can often have conflict, right? Um, and, And it's why we have to rid ourselves of the it's them mentality. Because in Christ, there's a humility about us that allows us to look at ourselves and say, what in me is not like Christ? That plays a part in this relationship so that I can have peace with other people. Yeah. yeah, but you don't know what they did. No, I don't. But I know what you've done before. And it's something that's offended others. And it's something that's hurt others. And somehow, some way, you forgave yourself. And you want to be exonerated of it. Yeah. Y'all look ready to throw spears at me this morning. <laughs> don't mess up this sweatshirt. This is, this, this is new. Okay. This is why we need God's peace in our hearts and our minds to properly function in our relationships. Forget about what the world says. Forget a second about everything you read on social media and worldly mindsets and worldly points of view that don't base themselves in what Christ says about peace and reconciliation and restoration because they're surface if they don't include what Jesus is talking about. So here's a good question to ask myself. Is my response righteous? Man, I'm going to tell them what they, you you can't, when they call, when I see her, when he shows up, some of y'all are too nice to say that stuff, but you think it, and you feel it, and you have an inner dialogue within you that's playing out scenarios that haven't even happened. (laughs) Now they admit it. How long? we got five minutes in the message. It took you 25 minutes to get honest. <laughs> All right. Look, is my response righteous? Not is it right? Is it righteous? Because if I'm doing my, my best to be at peace with everyone, I know what I want to say. I know what they deserve to hear. I know what I could lay on them. But is my response righteous? This is, this is bigger than taking the higher road. This is taking the righteous road. This is taking the Jesus track. This is taking the way of being able to be accused like Jesus was and still have no response to defend himself. It's a hard place to be. And it's a difficult place to be. And I'm not saying that's the case in every situation, in every circumstance. I understand that. But the reality is, is my response to them seeking peace and seeking righteousness, even if it means having a few spears in me by the time I finally get there? See, sometimes you have to let people get their, their shots in. But we don't like that. Because when they throw a shot, we want to throw one right back. Okay? But Jesus could be accused and stand in his own righteousness. Here's another question. Is my interaction hopeful for a peaceful outcome? Because you can start with peace and end up with war by the end of your conversation.
1: Well, I went in there
0: and I tried and I started right, but then they said this, okay, but was the end goal of the interaction, hopeful for a peaceful outcome, because that's the track you have to lay before you get there. My response in the beginning is going to be righteous. My response through the attacks is going to be righteous. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to defile God. I'm not going to defile his people. I'm not going to defile the kingdom. I'm going to live to the best of my ability with God's help, and by God's Holy Spirit, I'm going to respond righteously, and I'm going to be hopeful for a peaceful outcome, because I'm doing my best to have peace with everyone, right? See, we Lose a sense of peace when we live with unforgiveness. Okay, who? Uh, everybody here has been in some way or some form wronged, lied about, falsely accused, right? We, we often think it's us and our greatest, deepest wounds come from what people have said and what people have done and what people thought about us, said about us made us out to be, you name it. We, okay, but here's the problem, we, we think that's just us, but it's all of us because it's the nature of humanity. The nature of humanity is we work to make ourselves look good so that others can look bad. We put on our best face, not our worst face, right? We don't get up in the morning and try to look like we just crawled out of a garbage pile. We get up and we try to put our best face, our best presentation on, online, on social media with people and we have this momentum in life. And then when that is attacked, that's the identity of who we often are and who we think we are. And that, when that gets challenged, when that gets lied about, when that gets accused, and we know what we're standing for. We know what we're, who we really are, what we, our intentions really were in the effort. See, that's the worst part of it, right? When your intentions were good, but they perceived them as bad. When you put out your best and in return, you got the worst, but see, you didn't need God's intervention in that moment. You didn't need God's peace. You, you, you are okay. It's when things go south that you need to practice what I'm talking about. This is when we get to practice. Oh, oh That's a great idea. Peace with everyone. Yeah, until they lie about you. Now you got to work out the peace. Until they falsely accuse you. Right? Everything was good. But then they said this. Yes, now's the time for righteousness to be a response. Now the time. You didn't need it before because there was nothing coming at you. Right? So, so the scriptures don't operate as nice like Hallmark cards where we, it's just a nice thought and a nice feeling. These are things that we have to be able to walk in and through. It's for community and for connection. For us to be able to live out this very thing that God has given us in him and through him. For us to actually be able to be part of God's church, part of God's body. Some layers got to come off. Some walls got to come down, right? And, and it even has to be more than the excuse of our personality and how we're made and what we're wired for because you are connected in God's body. You are connected. You are his body, and you are not your own anymore. I'm not my, my own. Like I don't always feel like being nice to people. Arrogant people, unkind people, rude people. I don't always feel like being nice. Like when I'm walking through the lobby, there aren't holy clouds coming from my step, footsteps, right? Because like, I don't always feel righteous. <laughs> That's just why I know that I'm made righteous with God and why I have peace with God. Because if it's based on how I feel today, that could be messy right? Okay. So to be able to function in God's body, Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. See, you and I were called to peace. We weren't called to what we think or what we feel. We were called to peace. We were called to Christ and we're to let his peace rule in our hearts. And this is the beauty of the miracle of who Jesus is in this right here, that we were called to peace and be thankful. We don't need to wait till our deathbed to finally let things go. We don't need to wait until someone else passes away to sort through all the thoughts and the regrets and the remorse of what extra steps we could have taken. Look, if you were a a leader in any form or fashion over, over people, you manage people, you deal with people, you're dealing with schedules and things of that nature or... Company with employees or people, you're going to experience oftentimes a lack of peace because as you lead, you are the light is always on you, and you make some right decisions and some wrong decisions, and some could have been better. And you get accused, and you get, you know, people think this about you, and that's just the nature of leadership, it's the nature of helping people, of leading people, of taking responsibility. And this is why we have to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts because as a members of one body this is what we were called to we were called to this i don't have time for the third point but i'll just say the verse proverbs 12 25 worry weighs a person down worry weighs a person down and we lose a sense of peace when we let worry guide our thoughts okay And an absence of peace is often because of the presence of deep worry. And there is so little we control, yet at the same time, so much we control when it comes to our own attitude and our own responses. So back to those questions I was asking as we as we close out today. We think about the miracle of who Jesus is, who he was when he came, who he was when he died who he was as he lived, the example he set for us. If you could bow your head as we prayed this morning. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Father, we thank you this morning for the miracle of Jesus. The miracle of peace the Prince of Peace, the Captain of our salvation. Lord, this morning we thank you that we, even in and through our own sorrows, our own disappointments, our own difficulties, wrongdoing done to us. We can seek righteous reconciliation. We can seek responses that are right in your eyes. Why? Because of your great work and what you've done for us and what you've done in us we have nothing to prove anymore we have nothing to work to earn nothing to work to prove your work has been great and that great work has made us right in your sight this morning I pray that we would embrace that and whatever level we're at in our belief about that I pray that that would be elevated this morning that we'd embrace it and take ownership of it in a new and a fresh way let today be not just be a a reminder or a refresher let it restore truth back to our soul this morning back to our hearts and minds let the peace of Christ rule our hearts and minds. Because as members of one body, we are called to peace. In Jesus' name. This morning, in some way and in some fashion, this message might have been difficult to fully embrace because there may be things within you that are unresolved or things with people that are unresolved but that is the beauty of the message of the miracle of Jesus is that we don't look to ourselves and we don't look to others we look to him scripture tells us that we're to fix our eyes on Jesus we're to fix our eyes on him we're told that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. That it is not us who makes us better. It is Him who makes us better. It is Him who, the the Bible says that He works all things together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. Those who love Him. So this morning, whatever was restored, refreshed, maybe reminded you of some things. Remember this morning. God is not done with you. Yes. God is working in you and he's working on you. And a message like this comes to restore us back to appreciation for the miracle that Jesus is, for us to get past even the superficiality of some of what Christmas is about, for us to fully understand there's something far deeper about a baby born in a manger, something far deeper and far more precious about who Jesus is. In this miracle of peace that he represents. Do you have peace with God this morning, friend? Because the peace of God comes when we have peace with God. If I could pray for you today. Before we dismiss. And ask, have you made your peace with God? Are you in a right relationship with God? Are you in a right standing with God? Has grace opened the door to your heart this morning? And in doing so, you wanna be made right with God. If so, embrace Him. Jesus says that our sins are forgiven. We're made right in His eyes. If that's you this morning, you need the peace of God. Again, it comes when you have peace with God. You need to be made right. God in your life. Would you just lift your hand so I can see who I'm praying with, for this morning? You need peace with God. You need the peace of God. Lord, you see hands today. You know the unique circumstances people have, what they're walking through. I pray for a great measure of grace upon them, that their steps would be ordered by you, God that they would know by faith that you are working all things together for good. Lord, we encourage their spirit this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you nourish the word of God that was planted today. Nourish it in their hearts and minds so that they see the truth. Lord, thank you that peace is not a feeling, peace is not a circumstance, peace is a person. And this morning, Lord, we set our eyes back on you. For those who've been far from you, Lord, thank you, God, that this morning they take a step closer to receive the truth, the life, and the way that you are, Jesus. Thank you this morning that forgiveness comes through repentance of sin. Through turning away from a life that doesn't serve you. We ask for your blessing on each and every person here this morning. In Jesus' precious, mighty name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen, Amen. God bless you guys. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.